Hi. I was told that I have to go up here. No, you're okay. If I fall, my wife will give me mouth to mouth. (laughs) Hey, can we practice? (laughs) Okay. Um... I know I'm going to knock something over here. <laughs> this morning, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, Jesus' big event. We're talking about... Oh, thanks, Matt. You're the best. We're talking about having a, an event the church is going to put on to impact our community. We want, to, we want to be able to reach our community with the gospel of Christ. And then we want to be able to, the people that respond, we want to be able to disciple them. So that's what this is all about. We're not, this isn't just a place where you can come in, drop in, get your Jesus fix and go home and everything is going to be fine. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to chase you away. If that's what you want to do, drop in. We want you to, we want you to be here. But uh, at the same time, we as a church want to build into each one of your lives, each one of our lives. I want you to build into my life. And uh, so I, I want to talk to you about taking our marching orders, taking our plan from Jesus' very life because he was, he was the master event planner. He said, nah, he, he, was, he was Jesus. He was God. He, he didn't do any of that. Well... Stick with me. Matthew 14, 14 through 21. And uh, I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible today. Uh, and he went, and when he went, and, and when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and, and healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, The place, the, the place is desolate. And the time has already passed, so send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took five loaves and the two fish and looking up, Toward heaven, he blessed the food and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes and they all ate and were satisfied and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets and there were about 5,000 men who ate aside from women and children. 5,000 men and then the, the women and the, and the kids that were part of that. So how do we replicate a big event for Jesus, a big event in our community, taking our, our marching orders from Jesus Christ. Well, the first thing I, I submit to you is that Jesus went to the people. We, if we're going to impact the community, need to be in the community. We need to go to the people. We need to go where people are. Jesus did nothing by chance, friends. 
he didn't just show up hoping that a crowd would be there. He, it, it was planned. Now, John the Baptist had just been beheaded, and uh, uh, Jesus left the area by boat, and he sailed across the Sea of Galilee. And, and uh, Matthew 4, 14, 13 says, Now when he heard it, he withdrew from there, from there in a boat to a lonely place by himself. And when the multitudes heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. People have said that uh, Jesus did uh, all, the, all the ministry that he was doing. Uh, it wore him out. And so he, he had to, he had to uh, get away. So he gets out in the boat and goes to some, wants to go to some other place. And, and I, I'm not so sure that I buy that. I think this was kind of the bait and switch that Jesus did, and he did it so well, he was brilliant at it, that uh, he, uh, he withdrew and he knew that the people uh, were, were there to follow him, and so he didn't have the guys row too fast, I don't think. And, and so he... He attracts these people from all different cities. I mean, they're all over the place. They're coming to hear this, this man teach and preach, this, this prophet. The fact that feeding of the 5,000 is only one of Jesus' many miracles recorded in all four Gospels testifies to its unique importance. In each Gospel account, this miracle is placed at the, at the climax of... God's, uh, of, of Jesus' ministry. And, and we go into the Gospel of John, we learn that Jesus had brought up the matter of feeding the multitude much earlier in the day. He says, even while the great multitude was coming to him. John 6, 5 through 6 says, Jesus therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude, a great multitude, that's, that's, uh, that's Christianese for a whole bunch of people. Said to Philip, where, and see, Philip was from this area. He says, where do we buy bread that these, they, these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, to test Philip. For he himself knew what was, he was going to do. He wasn't going to buy any food. He was going to make it. He was, he was, the, he was the big baker. <laughs> Philip was from that area, and he would have known food availability, but Jesus was hoping that Philip would, would get a clue, that he'd understand where Jesus was coming from. And, and look to him rather than to uh, human and earthly resources. And we do that a lot ourselves. Rather than, rather than fixing our, our focus on Jesus and how he accomplishes things, we, we look at, uh, let's go out into the city and, and, and we'll take care of things. Rather than going to Jesus first and, and getting a direction from him of what we should do, we kind of we kind of uh, hopscotch over over Jesus to figure it out ourselves, and and our focus then tends to be on the smoke and the mirrors, you know the the thing that that uh, that makes Jesus palatable is what we do, you know, bright lights, big city, uh, a gourmet dinner. And Jesus took bread and a couple of fish. And if we stick to Jesus' example, we can't fail and discipleship is going to work. Unfortunately, Philip was more awed at the magnitude of the crowd 
than the magnitude of Jesus. There's 5,000 people and all these kids and the, and the women. And, and how in the world are we going to take care of these people? That's okay. I can preach over that little one. And he, and he's, and he, he, he just, he just kind of goes berserk. He says, in 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them to receive even a little. And a denarius was a, a normal day's, day's wages for a common laborer. So it would take six months worth of money to buy all the food to feed these people. And he knew they didn't have enough money that they needed to get it. So, and that was even if they stopped at Aldi, they, 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 they weren't going to get it. Jesus doesn't operate in a vacuum, though, does he? He placed creative people to develop ideas to reach the lost by following Jesus' example. Now, remember, friends, we are gifted by the Holy Spirit. Everybody who has named the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior has received a spiritual gift. What is the, what, what is the, the reasoning behind that? To build the body. And so we want to use our gifts not only to build the body of the church, but to use it to, in our creativity to go and find the ways of, of reaching the lost and bringing them in. They've got to be employed. And, and, and he went to the people, he went to where they were, and it says in a desolate place. It's a wilderness. And he did it to get away from all the distractions. And man, we are, we are bombarded today with distractions. I mean, you get distracted in, in, in just, you sit down to watch a, a television show. And I don't care what you're on, what you're watching, you've got, before the, the program is over, you've, you've been hit with probably 20 commercials. So we're distracted. We're distracted by people. We're distracted by our family. Distracted by the, by the, the cell phone. or the, I mean, you name it. We get distracted. And Jesus said, we need to remove ourselves from those distractions, boys. So that's why I picked this desolate place, this wilderness. There wasn't a lot of people around. The people came there. They weren't in a settlement there. Scripture says the place was a wilderness. And it was perfect for open-air evangelism. It was, it was, how did, though, think about this. They didn't have... PA system back then. They didn't have loudspeakers. How was it that Jesus was able to communicate to all of these people? And, and I think that that, that needs to be, that needs to be uh, discussed a little bit here. Um, maybe Jesus was this incredible speaker and he was able to project his voice. Uh, maybe it was the, the, the proximity of the listeners. When, it's, when it said how they were, how they were set up, in the, uh, in the uh, place where, they were going, where he was going to preach. They were set up according to uh, a, particular, a particular order. And so perhaps you people in the front rows here are the church leaders or are the leaders of, the, of that group. And, and so Jesus was able to speak to you. And you, in turn, would tell your tribe... And the tribe, in turn, would tell the kids, and that was teaching moments. 
perhaps. Maybe it was because of the physical elevation of, the, of, of Jesus. You know, he was higher up. The Sermon of the Mount is a perfect example of that. He was, he was quite a bit higher than the people that he was preaching to. And the sound didn't just drift over their heads. It was directed right to them. So you're hearing me because of the, of the equipment. But I think that you could also hear me if I didn't have this thing on. I'd have to project a little bit. But I'm speaking down down to you uh, geographically, not, not, not any other way. There may have been some natural acoustics that he picked out. He was God. And, and that, that's the truth too. He was able to do it because he was God. And when Jesus began his extensive Galilean ministry, it was almost completely public. Very, very seldom was he going in and teaching and preaching in the synagogue. And he sought out the crowds going from town to town and city to city, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom to everybody that would listen. And he made himself available to the people of Israel and offered them the opportunity to receive him as their Lord. But from the earliest days, the religious leaders were skeptical. And soon they became unfriendly and ultimately hostile. And, And the clearer Jesus' message became, the higher the the flames of opposition arose. Let me tell you something. Be prepared for criticism. We're going to do something that's a little bit out of everybody's comfort zone. We're going to be doing things that's going to uh, take money, financial resources. It's going to take a lot of people to do this. You say, well, John, what happens? what happens if only two or three people are saved. We've expended all this money and all this energy. Is it worth it? Will you answer that? Is one or two or three lives worth it? Worth the sacrifice that that we're going to have to make to keep these people through the the preaching of the word and the the sharing of of our giftedness and, and reaching them in kindness, is it worth it? Amen. I think so. I think so. You're going to be worn out. And you're going to have people criticize you. And there will be people that will say, ah, man, it's never going to work. Uh, why bother? Why don't we just do what we're doing and the people are going to come? We've got... We've got a good crowd today. We had a good crowd last week. Is it anything that we have done spectacularly? It is. It's called prayer. And we, we, uh, if you're here for the first time, I sick the Holy Spirit on you. And I think that once you're here and you let us love on you, it can be contagious. And church family... Don't leave here without giving, them a, giving somebody a handshake, you know, hug their neck, do something to make, them, make, make one another feel welcome. We need to be doing that. The death of, with the death of John the Baptist and Herod's fear that Jesus was John uh, uh, coming back from the dead, the political antagonism was, was, being, was being noted. He, uh, Herod felt threatened by Jesus just as he had been threatened by John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist, he, I, I'm looking forward to meeting this guy because uh, he, he's, he was an in-your-face kind of character. And, and uh, he gave old Herod what for. And, and quite honestly, he, he put his finger on Herod of, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're living with family. It's, this, is, this is incest. It's, you know, and, and just, just all but called his, his wife a, a, a harlot. Well, I think he did. <laughs> and, and John the Baptist, or uh, Herod didn't like it. And so although the citizens of Nazareth had twice rejected Jesus because of their familiarity with him as a boy and a young man, most of the people were still fascinated by his miracles. I mean, think about it. Think of the things. That, I mean, he raised people from the dead. He turned water into wine. He, he, uh, he, he fed people. When he, when he talked, he captivated them. And they knew this, you know, this, this young punk carpenter kid, he's, he's amazing. How did this happen? They discounted the fact that he was God, but they were, they were absolutely fascinated by his miracles. And so with the miracle of creating food for, for feeding the crowd... Jesus' popularity reached its, its height and, and as people tried to take him by force to be their king and their deliverer, it was stopped. John 6.15 says, Jesus therefore perceiving that they were thinking to, they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So the religious and political opposition became more intense. The allegiance of the crowds began to vacillate. And Jesus began to spend less time in public and more time in private building into the disciples' lives. During the last year of his life, he devoted the majority of his attention to the twelve. We know that one of them it didn't take. <laughs> Judas, Judas, it didn't work out so well. But he prepared for them what was soon to happen to him in the, with the crucifixion and for what they soon would soon after that happen to them as they embarked on the task of laying the foundation of the church. See, we're doing that. We're going to be doing that with, with reaching the lost in our community. We're going to lay a foundation or build upon the foundation that's been laid. And we're going to get opposition. And we're going to get tired. We're going to get weary and well-doing. We're going to let the enemy... Speak to us and tell us it's not worth it. It's too much work. Let the other guy do it. I'm busy. I'm this. I'm that. I've got this to take care of. I've got that to take care of. I, I got, I, I'm, I'm, I'm weak. I can't get anything done. I, I, just, I just don't have the gas anymore. And the enemy is going to hit us with that. And when the disciples of John the Baptist brought the news of John's death to Jesus, he withdrew from the area of Capernaum so that he could be alone with his disciples. And that brings me to the second point. Jesus always meets needs. Well, how does that apply to us? Well, we need to meet the individual needs of the community and the person. In the growing opposition of his enemies, the, through the, uh, the, the, the fickleness of the multitude and the, the continued misunderstanding and immaturity of his disciples made this drain on Jesus even worse. He was God, but he was also perfectly man. 
And he got tired, and he got worn out. And I'm sure there were times where he got agitated with these 12 guys that he picked to build ministry into. But when the multitudes heard that Jesus had gone to the other side of the, of the sea, they followed him on foot. So they, they didn't take Uber. <laughs> they didn't even have horses, I don't think. They, they followed him. And, and some of them arrived before Jesus did, and, and, and yet there were people who were lame and sick, and it probably took them longer. But almost all of them came out of selfish motives. You hear me? Selfish motives. Because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. That's what he wanted to, they wanted to see. They wanted to see the, the, the magic. They came to be healed or to watch the people be healed. And, and few came for what Jesus could do for them spiritually. The majority of the people were thrill seekers. They wanted to, they wanted to see, you should have seen what this guy did with a couple of fish and some bread. In addition to wanting to be healed or entertained, many no doubt hoped the great miracle worker would prove himself to be the political Messiah so he could overturn the Roman government. They hated the Romans, absolutely hated them, and hated the Roman system. And they're wanting this, this new leader, this Jewish upstart, this, re- this, this rebel. And, and the things that he said were things that, that made sense. And they said, let's, let's put our time and, and effort into his ministry. Because we want someone to lead us out of this oppression. And as God often does, he chose to accomplish his purpose in the very face of ungodly human motives and desires. Do you want to see that done here on our corner? Yes. Me too. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take a lot of prayer. It's, got to t- it's going to take some prayer warriors. Remember what James says? The effectual or effective, fervent prayer of righteous people. It, the, that righteous men is not uh, excluding women. That the, the, the men in James' translation is talking about, about the fervent prayer of righteous people accomplishes much. Ladies, pray. Men, you're not too busy to pray. When we pray, we're going to see things happen. When we pray, we're going to see the, the devil get all up in our face about what we're doing here. But Jesus said to them, they did not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. And ordering the multitude to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, heaven, he blessed the food and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. And they all ate and were satisfied and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. And there were about 5,000 men who ate aside from the women and children. No doubt with sadness in his eyes, Jesus said, Guys, haven't you got it yet? Bring the food. Let me show you what, what's going to happen. 
He had to tell the disciples to do what by this time they should have been, should have been second nature for them to do. And we in this church know what to do. Well, then let's do it. John, you know what to do. You're the pastor. Do it. You're right. Absolutely right. You know, in effect, he was saying, I knew that you didn't have enough food or money to feed the people. I knew that. I knew that you had no way of getting the, getting the food. I never expected you to feed them on your own resources or by your own power. In asking you to feed them, I was asking you to trust me. Trust me. You don't have to do it on your own. Jesus is saying to us, trust me. I'll make it happen. Trust me. But instead of, 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 so, so he says, without having to tell you, I was giving you the opportunity to bring to me what little you had and trust me for the rest. And so the northeast shore of, of the Sea of Galilee is, is beautiful uh, with green grass at the spring of the year and they believe this is the time of year that it was. And, and instead of sitting, the people had been standing up in order to he- see and hear Jesus. And so he ordered the, the, the multitudes to recline on the grass. You know, lay down. We're going to have a picnic. <laughs> make themselves more comfortable and, and, and to make food distribution easier. Uh, Mark 6, 39-40, this is an interesting account. And he commanded them all to recline by groups on the grass. And they reclined in companies of hundreds and of fifties. We just gloss over that in reading the, disciple, in the, reading the account of feeding of the 5,000. Hundreds and fifties. And, and they sat, uh, uh, prasii, prasii, which means, uh, literally means garden bed by garden bed. So he's going to feed them. He's going to feed them food that came out of the garden and out of the sea, but he's also going to give them spiritual food. And so he sat them in groups allowing paths between the groups, you know, like aisles in the church when we collect the offering. And so the paths between the groups for the disciples to walk while serving, and in their brightly colored garments, the crowd must have resembled an enormous mosaic looking like a flower bed in the spring of the year. This, this gigantic quilt spread across the hillside. The people probably had little, if, if any, idea why they were so carefully seated in groups. Jesus left no detail undone. That's what we've got to do, friends. We've got to ask. We don't, we don't have Jesus physically walking in our midst. We're carrying him with us. But he's going to give us direction, and we've got to listen. He is going to tell us what to do. He's going to give us insight. He's going to use gifted men and women in, in enabling us to, to make this thing work, to reach the lost. He's going to do it if we do our part. If this is to work, we need to take care of the details. The last thing is, you know, in ministry, there's always enough. You cannot outgive God. There's always enough. In fact, there's more than enough. There's always an excess when Jesus pours out his grace and mercy on the faithful. In fact, it says that, that, that Jehovah God caused the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. 
So even if you have un, uh, the, the rains coming, even the unjust people are going to benefit from the prayers of just men asking for rain on the crops. There's always enough. In fact, there's always more than enough. And the disciples may have guessed, but they still didn't know. And when the people were seated, Jesus took the, the, the fish and the loaves, looking up to heaven, he blessed the food, giving thanks to his heavenly Father. And that's the key ingredient in this whole thing. Recognizing where the miracle is coming from and then acting upon it, depending on God to take care of the details. Because the multiplied barley loaves and fish were divinely created, the satisfaction of the people experience that the people experience must have been like no other in their lives. They ate enough food to satisfy the multitudes. The, the uh, satisfy in the, in the Greek means uh, an animal eating at the feed trough so much that they turn away because they're, they're full. Now, that dog of mine, I, 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 he'll, he'll eat himself half to death. And even to the point, though, of the people were so satisfied that even Bentley could turn away because he had enough to eat. The food, after it had been dis distributed among the groups, each disciple had a basket of food left over for himself, out of which he could share with Jesus. In the great economy of God, there is neither too much or too little. The big event. Why do it? Why do it? Why not get a smoke machine in here? You know, crank up the amp. Paint the ceilings black. Strobe lights. Why not? That'll bring a crowd. We'll change your name and say that you're from Nashville. <laughs> Planning a big event. Why? And this is the reason, if you don't get anything else today, to reach the lost people of our community. The first thing. The second is to impact lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last thing is then disciple them fulfilling the Great Commission. When I got saved, back in, in Illinois, they had this, uh, this trailer that, that uh, uh, turned into an outdoor movie theater. And they would show prophetic uh, uh, movies on this thing. It was in a great big parking lot. You bring your lawn chair and, and sit down and you watch this, this, these movies and they were, they were kind of scary. Uh, if, uh, the the uh, Left Behind series was kind of, kind of like that. Um, they, had, they had a uh, 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 I think it was Tim LaHaye was uh, uh, preaching afterwards and gave the invitation. And people got saved at those things. They used technology to reach the lost. And if Jesus was here today, my friends, he would use technology to reach the lost. Don't think that the lights and the electric guitars 
and uh, the, the amplification is something that Jesus frowns on because he doesn't. I believe that he would use that very thing, whatever it took to attract the lost without compromising the message. And the last thing is we want to disciple people who get saved, fulfilling the Great Commission. I don't have a lot of time left in my life, I don't think. And I don't know how long God's going to give my mind the ability to, to uh, think and, and share my heart. So I want to do the very best I can with all I have to reach the people in where, where God has called me. And I want to bring you with me. You guys are so creative. And God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Come with me. And let's make a difference in this community. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we're, we're at a place where Sometimes it seems like it's repetition. But that's okay. It's okay to repeat. Because that's what Jesus did. Lord, help us be in that place where where we become faithful to that which he's called us to. If you're here today, friends, and I, and I, I say this just as, as sure as anything, with, with every beat of my heart, I ask you to think about where you are going to spend eternity. That's, that, that's why I do what I do to reach the lost, and then disciple. And if you're here today, my friend, and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if there never was a time where, where you said, I don't believe I've ever done this, John. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to hell. I don't even know if there is a heaven or a hell. Uh, I'm here to tell you that there is. But I'm also here to tell you that Without Christ, without that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in your life, you surely, when you die, will go to hell. So if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, let me, let me help walk through that with you. Say, John, I, I, don't, I don't have a clue what to do. Well, let me, let me show you. You pray a real simple prayer. And remember, the... The, the prayer doesn't save anyone. It's your heart. What you believe in your heart about what Jesus Christ did for you. He died for you because he loves you. You pray, Lord Jesus, I, I get it now. I know I'm a sinner. I don't understand it all, but I know that I'm a sinner. And in the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life and save me from that sin. And I believe when you died on that cross, you died in my place that I could live with you forever. And if you're here today, nobody looking around, if you're here today and you prayed that prayer, slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? 
anybody at all. Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you for your love and your goodness. And I just pray, Lord, that today would be the day that you speak truth into the hearts and lives of these people. Help us, Lord, to understand what you're about in our lives. And if there's someone here today that, that uh, you know, you, you, you say, John, uh, uh, I want you to pray for me. I want you to, I want you to, I don't understand it all, but uh, uh, what I do understand, uh, sometimes I get my wires crossed. And, and uh, this is the day that I want to dedicate my life to serving you. I'm all in on this. You want me to pray with you? Come on up. Come on up. I'll pray with you. And we'll, uh, we'll have a little bit of a celebration. Anybody at all? Come on up. Don't be embarrassed. I'm not going not gonna to make fun of you. Father God, I thank you for, uh, for Jeremy, and I thank you for uh, this precious little one. And Lord, uh, I, I just ask that you would uh, give assurance and, and give that, uh, uh, that blessed hope that beats in us of what Jesus, what you've done for us on Calvary. Thank you. We praise you for it in your son's precious name and for his sake. Amen.